0: RunASRADIO.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the Internet Audio Talk Show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 518, Scaling in the Cloud with guest Corey Sanders. Recorded Monday, January 30th, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com
1: slash radio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. While this is a new guest for Run As, not a new guest for me, I'm bringing back Corey Sanders, who visited us over in .NET Rocks a while back, and he's been a member of the Azure team since 2010 and been with Microsoft since 2005, and currently the Director of Program Management responsible for the engineering and business of compute in the Azure team, and that includes all Windows VMs, Linux VMs, Service Fabric Event, Hub Service, Hub Batch Computing, and the compute technology to support large Microsoft services like Bing and office 365 welcome sir
0: wow that is a, a mouthful of an introduction I'll tell you
1: you know what it hits me when when you talk about like the Bing office 365 thing is I think back before it was called Azure and there was that whole conversation about Microsoft has this half a dozen or so big, properties, right? The Bings and MSDN and so forth. And they each have their own infrastructure and it's kind of a nightmare. Yeah, And so to come up with a common infrastructure across them all, I think it's pretty powerful, right? It, it's important.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing how much how much we learn from our internal, you know, partners and customers. Sure. Just the usage patterns and the um, the way in which they think about cloud and cloud infrastructure. You know, it turns out in some ways it's it's very very similar to where sort of a lot of our customers are going. Sure. But it I, also I wonder if the Microsoft
1: different... groups aren't some of your worst customers, like just hard on your systems, very demanding, like super challenging customers.
0: That's right, and they all have a direct line with. Uh, With our management.
1: They know where you live. They're going to get to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They know me and they know how to get it. Uh, If they have to wait in the lobby and
1: and trip you up, they're going to.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, they are. They they can be some of the hardest. They can be uh, they definitely are some of the hardest customers we have just because, you know, in some ways there's aspects of, you know, they don't have a choice, but no. they they certainly have a lot of demand. Yeah, and all
1: the reason to be more demanding that they're expected to use this so they should demand it to be great because it, it directly affects their ability to deliver on their promise to their customers.
0: That's right. That's right. So it it is um it's great though. It's it's an absolutely great experience. We have good relationships across all those teams and um you know like I said we learn we learn a ton about just how to think about computing from those guys.
1: Yeah, no no kidding. And and dogfooding is the Microsoft way, you know. Certainly over in the on the dev side, it's always been like Windows Presentation Foundation didn't get great until the Studio team took it on and really kicked a snot out of it. You know, That's right. Suddenly it was a well, dramatically original, better product. The original,
0: you know, business model was was Windows shipped and and then Office was built on it and yep. Office was like the was the big app to test out Windows. And so, yep. you know, it's kind of been the, the way of the world for us for, for a long time.
1: For sure. It's just a, a shift to these other things. So, I, and I think you're in a very cool part of the company. I mean, the 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 Azure space and what's going on with stuff like Office 365, it's hard to be anything other than excited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also why we only hire really cool people. <laughs> 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 I was the exception. I okay. was the exception to yeah. that to that rule. But uh, no, no, it's, it's, I think the... Um, Biggest difficulty that we have with being in this this space and this part of the company is there's no shortage of new ideas. Yeah. this is you know th- this is not a space where everything's been tried already. In fact, it's a space where almost nothing's been tried. Yeah,
1: and as a customer, let me try you trying to figure out what you guys are making. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Like you're <laughs> coming at us. Hard. Oh,
0: yes, indeed, and that's but that's part of our job. I think that's what you're expecting from us.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would like it if they were more organized. If I can make any suggestions at all, it's like it's good to have a plan. But yeah, it's trying to sort all the different things out. There's a lot of ways to solve problems, but that I, that's also a Microsoft tradition. If there's not a three ways to do something, you haven't been trying hard enough. <laughs>
0: We do try and limit that down. We are trying to be a little bit more prescriptive on, you know, gosh, here's when this solution is the right thing for you. You know, this is when you should use mm-hmm. functions. This is when you should use VMs and so on. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. There's certainly a challenge of of um, just having a lot of solutions to do to do the job you want to do.
1: When I think different organizations are in different places, too. Like, we've all talked about this whole, you're going to go to the cloud because it makes it easy to scale. But right. then what do you scale? Like, I've scaled a lot of systems over the years, right? I worked in the dot-com boom, And so forth, long before the public cloud, and and scaling is never simple. Like there's stuff involved, and just because you have sort of ubiquitous computing doesn't mean you can't hamstring yourself somewhere with trying to scale systems up.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, uh, as we were talking about, it does. We learn a lot from our internal partners, but then mm-hmm. all, certainly a lot of external folks as well. Um, and, and you know, the way I like to think about sort of how that scaling is approached is both at the infrastructure layer and the management of the infrastructure. And yep. then, of course, at the application layer as well. And so when you look at something like the infrastructure, you know, when you have three nodes or four nodes that are hosting, let's say, a SQL server cluster of some kind or MySQL cluster, or Postgres or what have you. Yep. You can go in and you can muck with each individual one. You can go, oh, this one's not working well. Let me go work on it. Let me go change it. So on and so forth. But when you're dealing in the thousands. Yeah. There's, there's no mucking of notes. No, right? no, this is the cattle, cattle approach,
1: in. not the pets approach.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. And this is where, you know, when we look at even some of the some of the capabilities we have on Azure, we try and actually differentiate this so that, you know, customers, developers, uh, IT pros, system administrators can, can sort of look at the platform in, with those different lenses because sure. they actually result in different actions. And this is our sort of our distinction between VM support and VM scale set support, which is kind of that split between sort of a... Um, you know, loose loose VMs versus scaling as a unit.
1: All right, we gotta we gotta talk about this because obviously when I think VMs and the sort of simplest level of scaling, I now it's really cloud as other people's computers, right? And I'm just gonna put yep. my VMs and I'm responsible for everything related to scaling. What's a scale set and how does that relate to VMs?
0: Yeah, totally. So, you know, a VM scale set is basically a single entity. So think of it as a single object. And one of the characteristics of that object is the count of instances you want deployed. And so what that means is that instead of going in and saying, create a VM, create a VM, create a VM, go install something, go install it again, go now connect them, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. It's basically saying, here is my, here's my template. Here's my, my uh, blueprint as it were for what each VM should look like, what's going to be installed, what executables run when you create them, what's the networking characteristics, what's my load balancing story. And you, You build that once, and then you say, hey, you know what? Azure, I want 200 of these.
1: Go. Nice. So this is stuff I would have done myself anyway, right? It's just instead of me cooking up the scripts and the processes to run up that 200 instances, you're going to do it for me. I'm going to give you a template, tell you how I want to connect together, say, now make me 200, and off you go.
0: Exactly. And there's some, cl- some clever things that we do. That. In fact, even today we are, we are announcing so we now support this up to 1000 instances. You wow. can go up to a thousand instances. And so super exciting. But we do some clever things. So, like when you say, "Look, I want a thousand of these," uh, you know, when when you're deploying on that much infrastructure, uh, sometimes hey, one of the machines may be a little bit slower than expected, or one of your scripts may not have worked quite right, right? And so, what we do is we actually spin up more than a thousand. So, if you say I want a thousand, let's say we spin up twelve hundred. We only charge you for the thousand. Right. But first, a thousand that are available, we give to you, and then we kill the rest. Uh, and so it just dramatically improves your experience in spinning these things up. Like, these are little clever things that we can do because we know you're spinning them up as a unit versus you went in and manually spun up each individual one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's actually going to be more. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine a thousand G fives. Like, <laughs> holy man, dude, what's your problem? Like, what that's you... a lot.
0: Of, that's a lot of power, man. I, yeah. Just
1: like I, I'm trying to consume all the bitcoins in the world. <laughs>
0: I'm going to shut down Bitcoin as we know it. This
1: is it, right? Like, yeah, that there is you go. wild. Yeah, we that's...
0: should start this business.
1: <laughs> Although maybe the H's, though the the, uh, the the specialty uh, uh, memory model ones might be the actual better. But uh, a yeah, thousand is okay. You officially set the number at more than you need.
0: <laughs> this, this was the goal. Now, now I'll tell you candidly, there are there are some customers out there that that, that want more. Wow. Uh, so so we probably aren't stopping at a thousand. But I do think a thousand is going to meet a lot of customer needs and expectations.
1: Yeah, you're not going to need a thousand for websites. I don't care what website you are. That's that's <laughs> so, just a so just that's a, lot. a
0: big a, a thousand G5s is a very big website. Yeah, that's a
1: that's a big that is that's a right. big compute problem, whatever it may be. Right, like that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. But okay, yeah. So, but I, I like this idea that very much configuration to code mentality because you know, you being the Azure folks that these are all supposed to be the same you're just going to do that for me.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, and it's it simplifies a lot of the management, mm-hmm. which is the goal. When you're when you're dealing in units of, you know, even hundreds but especially thousands, just having to deal with deployment, you know, having to deal with OS patching, like we do have capabilities for you to just kind of roll through an OS patch for right. these guys, right. uh, and even actually managing of storage becomes a real nightmare. So sure. one of the things that we are also releasing is a new capability called managed disks and this my friend takes away all the management pain of storage and so it simplifies this at scale deployment you no longer have to worry about any storage accounts or anything you just say i want a thousand managed disks associated with these thousand vms go wow and away we go
1: okay so just just at treated as yet another service. Is this store simple or?
0: No, no. So this is basically a new object that okay. we are supporting that, you know, today you spin up a VM yep. and yep. you attach, you know, data disks or what have you. And these are backed by storage blobs, yep. right? Yep. And they're VHDs and your blobs. So imagine this is, it's a, it's a new object That we basically abstract away that storage blob in the background. Okay. We manage it. We maintain it. And all you have to worry about is what does my disk do and where does it go? Nice. It's super cool, man. And it takes care of availability. So it now will span multiple storage stamps to give you high availability, it takes away the public endpoint of the storage stamp, so it is a it is a super cool progression in our platform. And the timing for me to be able to talk with you about it right now is just perfect.
1: So just this is just announcing right now. I mean, again, if we're talking about a thousand, like what am I putting on all that storage? Like that's different between these instances. Like normally, I want a shared storage for configuration or you know, maybe they're working from a common file set, but is it just like the local working files, those kinds of things that I need to have replicated across all those instances?
0: Yeah. You know, the most common scenarios for that type of, for that type of um, scale out with storage is going to be, you know, some of the sort of scale out replication systems. So things like Cloudera, you know, Hadoop based solutions or data stacks. I was thinking Hadoop, which, you Sort of a replication to your low, you know, nearest neighbor. These sorts of these sorts of eventual consistent systems yeah. are perfect in that type of environment, and they just scale and grow and scale and grow.
1: Yeah, but it it still seems awfully bare metally or or I as like, I mean, I understand the folks are coming from that point of view, but I still feel like today, if I have to build VMs. Like, there's got to be a better way. I don't want to totally own bad. the OS. I don't want to own these instances. I, I want to go higher on the stack than that.
0: Yeah. So this is what's also interesting. VM scale sets mm-hmm. is actually the underlying platform for services like Service Fabric. Really? And the container service. Yeah, these guys are built on top of VM scale sets. So it's a great way to visualize how sort of those, the, you know, the past services like Service Fabric sit on top of this underlying infrastructure management.
1: Okay. So, I mean, part of this is you're just exposing the way that Service Fabric runs now so that we can take advantage of pieces of it.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, basically, you know, Service Fabric is that platform layer or that container orchestration layer. Yep. And it's sitting on top of a bunch of VMs. And, the you know, it, Service Fabric also didn't want to manage all of the VM scale and, and, you know, application deployment and so on. So Service Fabric relies upon VM scale set to do that.
1: No, that totally makes sense.
0: Is it all coming together for you now? No, no I'm, like excited, the first I'm very excited about it. Like, I, the, I've ever explained this well to you, I
1: guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I'm also looking at different problem spaces. Like you would never build web servers this way because there's web apps for this and they've got their own ability to scale. It's when you get into these sort of unique compute problems. And I mean, I I dig Hadoop and I've done some good things with it, but I still think there's better machine learning solutions in and, and different ways to do map reduce. It would be a, a simple solution to that. Service Fabric to me seems like that pure platform play. I don't want to own any OSs. I don't want to own any plumbing, you know, at all. I don't want to be responsible for it or anything. I'm just going to give you some code to run for me and then tell you how big to run it.
0: Yep, that's right. That's right. And then, and the nice thing about Service Fabric is we've also recently added container support. Okay. So like Windows containers now can be run on top of Service Fabric as sort of your microservice platform or as your container orchestrator. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool uh, from that perspective.
1: So Service Fabric is not mutually exclusive from containers. You don't have to do just containers or Service Fabric. They kind of get along. Correct. Okay, that's yeah. cool.
0: You know, the, you know, Rich, the, the way I like to think about containers, they're sort of ubiquitous, right? They're yeah. going to be everywhere. Uh, no, I, I think know, it's going to fundamentally can't.
1: change development going forward. Like, it really does. That's do. right.
0: That's right. You can't leave your house in the morning without seeing containers. That's, uh, <laughs> that's my new...
1: Your car's running containers. They're in your phone. They're everywhere. They're in my
0: phone. They're in my car. They're everywhere. I love it. Uh, ah, we should make a oh, we should make a horror movie about this. That's this right.
1: Containers are everywhere. Corey, give me one second here to pay the bills because this episode of Run As is brought to you by IT Edge Intersection. IT is transforming, and the techniques and tools you've used for the past decade or more are less relevant. It's all changing. Cloud services are a reality, automation is penetrating all aspects of operations, and software is being delivered faster than ever. It's no longer a safe bet to just sit and do what you've been doing. But there's no reason to panic. The experts at IT Edge Intersection are here to help you understand how to use these new technologies, new approaches, and new techniques, all with a real-world focus that acknowledges the realities that you deal with every day. Make your job easier and up your value to your organization by attending IT Edge Intersection in Orlando, May 21st to 24th. Use the code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at itedgeintersection.com, and I'll see you there.
0: That sounds fun. Should we, we? Should we be going to that? It. I, I,
1: you are going to that. I don't know that you are, but there's a whole bunch of Microsoft folks going there. I think my keynote is Mr. Guthrie. Actually,
0: no way. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. And, and uh, Mr. Guggenheimer be there. Just heard Donovan Brown's coming in as well. So we're going to get a little oh, devops on it.
0: Oh, Gosh, Donovan. I uh, love that
1: guy. He's <clears throat> he's a powerhouse man. It's a monster lineup, and we're very very happy to see that coming together.
0: It sounds like you're missing someone quite special, though. Booyah. Uh, well, me, I think, was <laughs> uh, where I was going. We should have a conversation
1: about that, I think. I think we could yeah. probably arrange that. Because, see, you know, the container story on development is one thing, but from an IT perspective, this is very interesting, right? Because I'm working really hard to get to a place with applications that I'm responsible for operating, where we don't update anything anymore. New instances are built, workloads are transferred, and the old instances are shot. And containers seem perfect for this.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. You know, this is what's so funny about containers. They've taken on such a life of their own, Mm -hmm. where, as you say, you know, I think that they're going to drive a bunch of next-generation development and sort of the whole microservice movement. Yep. But some of the most common usages that I see today... Uh, in sort of IT shops, in enterprises, in small, large companies, et cetera, is effectively containerizing existing infrastructure.
1: Well, it's, that's a big question because so much of what, the way the containers are described, it seems like a greenfield implementation. I got to go all the way back to dev. We want to rethink the way we build our app. You're now going to do it in containers. But to be able to pick up existing workloads, put them in containers, that to me super interesting because it does open the door to this, you know, configuration is code mentality top to bottom it's still a battle to really automate the construction of a service from the vm through the os all the patching all the apps like it's just a lot of stuff the more of that right. stuff I could eliminate, the happier I am. That's right,
0: and, and I think I think you're spot on. I mean, I think I think you know the the microservices application model mm-hmm. is the model that requires rethinking. But just containerizing, you know, I see lots of solutions where, hey, I'm taking basically what used to be a full VM, right? And I'm going to containerize it, and the reason I'm going to containerize it is one portability, yep. You know, two, uh, just agility, the ability to start it very very quickly, yeah, right. And yep. then three is is just mobility, you can now move these guys around you're not dealing with vhds or VMDKs. you know you're not, they're not gigs you're not and gigs, with and gigs. Old p- file formats
1: yeah they're not so bloody huge and that's the issue right they're yeah. so big and i'll tell you this as a guy who scaled stuff in the cloud before it takes long enough to light stuff up i've never really done that automated elasticity we've got a big weekend coming up i just over provision i light up extra instances because when they're not taking load they don't cost me much and i can't wait Right, I don't want any delays. As the load comes up, I want enough instances already waiting there.
0: It's like when this show airs. Yes, you're going to need like three, four x your normal yeah. traffic and we just guess, to handle. Right. Yeah,
1: that's all we're really doing is we're guessing, and and so we tend to guess high. And maybe I'm spending a bit more money than I should. We could argue that, but it was already a good weekend. We could probably afford it. But this sort of promise of automated elasticity that, hey, as the load goes up, you're just going to light up new instances to keep up with the load. I'd like to see that come true. Yes.
0: Yes, it, wouldn't it be just amazing if the if the by default startup time of your app just across the board became you know seconds versus minutes yeah. and even subsecond. I mean you know millisecond to spin up and scale and you can go from one to a hundred in you know in in a second. It just it just changes the entire dynamic of what your app needs to do, how it needs to think, and complexity that you need to build inside. And then management, like I mean, the management difficulties of that. Suddenly you're not you know you're never provisioned. You're not out of whack with your scale or yep. your patching or what have you. It's just, um, I mean, that is really the future. It's just a question of how fast we can get there.
1: Yeah. And what, and what that really looks like. Right? It's, it's, it doesn't, you know, the part of it is, well, does it make sense? Now that I'm in an, I'm very much at this OpEx model where it's just, we only spend extra money on the weekend because we expected it to be busy. You've got to sort of see the, you know, are you getting value for money here? Does it make sense to over provision? You know, what am I going to save if I get really good at this? But I love this idea, you know, the, the biggest class of problem that I got rid of when we started playing with containers is is the way the dev was working on the app is dramatically different than the way it runs in production. And there's a yeah. whole bunch of problems that, that happen when you try and move from one to the other. So when everybody lives in containers all the way down to, the, to the, the, the code monkey actually writing the individual feature, it's just a whole bunch of issues that just disappear.
0: And you're not dealing ever with the... It worked on my laptop, but not on the server in the cloud. I mean, that is just like an even just taking that problem away is uh, is just a beautiful, beautiful progress.
1: You suddenly live in a different world. So, still with a website, I would tend to look at a web app. And when you really talk about microservices, isn't that the domain of the logic app in the Azure world? Like, if I if guy really wants to build a microservice, now have nothing. It's just here's your code.
0: Yeah. So so you know. And this, I think this is the way, you know, most people think of it, but, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, you know, microservices is a, a application model format, yeah. approach to building applications, right? Yeah. And it's, it's effectively each individual part of your app completely stands alone right it completely lives on its own and it can be updated on its own it can scale on its own etc now in Azure there's actually you know uh, even just in the broader cloud there's a lot of ways to approach that type of application Mm -hmm. model so one we talked a little bit about service fabric this is one that you know I'd always kick off with from a microservices perspective it's platform geared towards that level of granularity subdivision being able to manage updates and version control across those many many microservices and
1: very Discrete scalability, right? Just-
0: exactly, exactly, and and it and it enables also stateful approach to those microservices, which yep. can be really powerful, especially for a lot of you know tier one apps and so on. So that's super cool. You can also do microservice based architectures in other ways. So you know, like you said, whether it be using sort of a set of uh, smaller solutions, app service, or whether yep. uh, using web apps or building it with functions, right? You can sort of piece together a microservice based application that way as well. Yep. Now, when I look at something like Logic Apps, Logic Apps, I feel is more it, it can take components of a microservice based solution, but it ends up being more of a workflow type approach uh, I see. and enables sort of, you know, if this, then that, if that, then that yep. type approach. And so it's still super valuable. In fact, from an IT pro system administrator perspective, I think Logic Apps is one of our most powerful services A visual workflow is so cool.
1: It's really interesting.
0: But anyway,
1: sorry, I digress. But but in a good way because you know you know again you bring up this idea of if you deeply immerse yourself in this Azure landscape, you recognize that different pieces of a overall application are going to run in different services most effectively, and that might be a problem for you because I also see organizations like, no, I want a uniform architecture in terms of its encapsulation, and that's where something like maybe containers makes sense. It's like okay, yeah. well everything's in a container. You just want containers? We can just do containers for you.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you know, I think you'll see more and more of our dev tooling and our management tooling, both mm-hmm. both sides of the house, really center around that so that point, right? With the assumption that, hey, you know, with containers I no longer have to worry about runtimes yep. or um, you know, language controls or any of that. Yeah it's all taken yep. care of for me. Suddenly all I need to worry about is getting my container to the right platform. And uh I think that's that's really gonna be a strong directional path for us.
1: Yeah, very powerful. And and certainly conversations I've been having on other shows have been stuff like, does containers make sense with databases? Like, yeah, actually it does. You have a separate instance for the file store and you can literally do a database update and not change the file store in the process. It'll just flip across. Like that's the interaction between containers gets very cool when you start looking at a, a large scale application.
0: That's right. That's right. It really is, in some ways, sort of the next generation infrastructure. Right. 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 Um, you know, you could do all that with VMs, and now you can do it with containers, and it just enables a bunch of new stuff, just like VMs enabled a bunch of new stuff, right? Sure. And so I think it's going to be really powerful. Is it going to fully replace VMs? No, probably not, no. right? I think there's still going to be a few things that fit into that, uh, a bunch of things that fit into that sort of mold. Um, but, you know, I think applications will consist of both for a long time.
1: Sure. I, I could see that there's going to be constraints, especially when you're talking about an existing app. there are things that you're allowed to do in containers and, and things that you're not and some apps are just going to be well this has got certain behaviors that containers just can't deal with so this piece needs to continue to live in a VM those pieces can move to containers
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. And just, I mean, just like any sort of collection of, and you mentioned it already, collection of services and capabilities, they're going to come together to, to give you sort of the final output. Right. And I guess my biggest recommendation is you got to just be open to, to, to the different solutions and choices that you have, and then make sure you're picking the right ones for the job and the constraints you've got. Because it's, you know, the goal for all these services is just to make management, make operations, and make, in some cases, development easier.
1: Right. Reliable, scalable, behaves correctly. Does that mean we're going to have a scale set for containers at some point or is that just native and built in?
0: You are, well, so you you, you know, you're getting a little ahead of me uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I can either confirm nor deny uh, plans yeah. around that.
1: But if one were to speculate, it's kind of a logical path really, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, it's so you, good you, to uh, not you, be are you in you the company. For a job or what? You wanna... <laughs> no, see, if I if I have a job, then I really can't talk about that. But I don't have a job, so I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is this not a job? I didn't. Oh, am I going to get paid for this? I thought I was getting. Just kidding. Um, Does anybody get paid for this? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, nice. The, uh, you know what I'd say is this. Um, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a natural progression. The other thing I'd say is that, you know, even today with our with our VM scale set, you can directly deploy container based solutions onto those VM scale sets using the startup scripts. And so you're still buying at the VM granularity, Mm -hmm. but you can deploy using the container deployment language straight away. So it's sort of a sort of a bridge uh, to where that bridge is going. You know, only time will tell.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what will be available when, but it's it's clear that all of this is in motion and it's just a question of being able to think through how granular you want to be, how you want to manage all of that. I mean, I got to think that's a challenge. When you get a thousand of anything, that is a management challenge.
0: It is, and that's you know part of the things that we hope to support and improve upon. You know things like enabling much easier patching of the OS, right. enabling Sorry. much simpler application deployment on those thousand, right? Um, even ab- adding so, uh, sort of a very primitive application model on those thousand for like health and so on. Um, we think that's going to be really important to be able to use these as an optimal way. Um, and so you'll see those over even the next six months. You'll see a lot of that stuff come to light.
1: That's cool, man. I think it's going to be exciting times and more of the same. And we can always find you at Tuesdays with Corey.
0: You can. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, not anywhere near as popular or successful as the current show I'm on, I but didn't uh, that's true. it's, you know, but it is shorter. I, I just don't have the intelligence to make 30, 30 minute shows. Um, so uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're somewhere between five and 10 and they always have demos. So yeah. uh, I try and show off a bunch of Azure stuff.
1: Well, here we are 30 minutes later. Clearly you can make one.
0: Well, that was mostly your help. So that oh, was, uh, I, I chalked it up to you. So
1: no, I found there are times where I wonder if I can get a word in edgewise with you, Corey. You move pretty fast. <laughs> Is this
0: like a normal interview? Am I talking more than I should? No, you're, you're supposed to talk more. You're the guest. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt bad. I kept interrupting you no. and, and telling you that you were wrong and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <Okay,
1: laughs> don't worry. We edited all that out. You all sound smart. That's how this <laughs> works. Corey, always a gas to talk to you we had a great time on dotnet rocks now we've had a great time on runners radio come back anytime
0: i I, w- I definitely will you you say the time the place uh this time there was no red wine there so that you. was a little bit of a disappointment but, ah, uh
1: well it's yeah. the, the nature of remote recording i'll do the best i can
0: <laughs> next time please ship it to me thank you you bet uh, <laughs> thanks man
1: and we'll talk to you next time on Run As radio